You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. We're broadcasting from the Vivid Seat Studios, which once again sounds like we're in the midst of the forest. Use promo code OVERTIME in the Vivid Seats mobile app to save up to $100 on all ticket purchases. First time customers only. I don't know where Chris the Cricket over here is getting his sustenance um, to keep going and his will to survive, but, um, man, we are in a a cement basement. Are you still going? It's sounding a little weak over there, Chris. I'm not going to lie. I don't even know if you guys can even hear him anymore. Sounds weak. Also, I'm not sure if I should be giving him credit for his persistence or if I should be looking down on him for how dumb he is for not knowing that all the female crickets are outside, Chris. You're, I mean... You're not that unattractive, dude. It's just that there's nobody in a house right now. You're in a house. Do you not know you're in a house? Jeez. You don't notice there's no grass anywhere? Maybe he's just a coward. He's like, man, there's predators out there. I'm going to stay in here. Speaking of predators, a uh, neighborhood cat attacked a baby rabbit in front of the kids yesterday. So it's a vicious life out here in the burbs, man. Crickets are terrified to be outside. Baby bunnies getting bit by cats. You don't even know about this life. What are we talking about right now? Oh, I know. I figured we'd talk about the Packers today. Mixing it up. But since all 32 teams have played, I kind of thought it'd be fun to kind of see where the Packers rank uh, compared to everybody else. You know, again, some of this or a lot of this has to do with the fact that it's week one and some of these teams are facing garbage opponents. For example... Right out of the gate, I can tell you the number one team in the NFL is the Baltimore Ravens. The second thing I'll tell you is that the number one team in the NFL is definitely not the Baltimore Ravens. I'm sorry, man. I want Lamar to be a good quarterback. I want Michael Vick to come back. I I miss watching him play. I hope he can be as good as Michael Vick. But he and Dak Prescott both need to just relax. And everybody who's bumping these guys up is just headed for massive disappointment. Maybe not Dak quite as much, because I think he's a legitimately decent quarterback, and he has a really good offensive line that's going to be able to protect him like that pretty much the entire year. That's not the case. with Look at every single one of those highlights. There was zero pass rush. The New York Giants and the Miami Dolphins have zero pass rush. And both of these quarterbacks also had wide-open wide receivers all day long. I don't care. Now, props to Lamar for being able to just lay it on him. But, dude, it's just that's not going to happen again. And the thing is, people know it's not going to happen. It's like you're trying to get your shots in now, knowing that you and Lamar are about to just get savaged in a little bit. But at least now I have the opportunity to brag about how good he is. I I just, I don't know. Maybe he is that good. Maybe he's going to be better than Mahomes. That's probably what it is, I bet. That's not what it is. But, um, yeah, we'll, we'll run through some of the uh, highlights and lowlights for the Packers. Um, not surprisingly, uh, Pro Football Focus was not a big fan of our offense, but was a very big fan of our defense. Also, for those that are uh, very into this kind of stuff, we will be also looking at football outsiders. I know some people get a little twitchy when I talk about PFF all the time and don't include football outsiders. So, 
we'll, we'll, we'll just kind of see where everything's at right now. But before we get all to that kind of goodness, let's take a moment to remember that the fantasy football is here. And this season, there's more ways to win than ever. Because FanDuel's got more ways to win cash prizes, once-in-a-lifetime experiences during every single game, every single week. If you haven't played FanDuel fantasy football before, that's good news. Because new users get 20 bucks inside credit if you deposit $20. If you think that fantasy football is irrelevant on a Wednesday, you must have forgot that there's football tomorrow. You maybe also forgot that Cam Newton had a terrible game last week, meaning he's much more valuable. It's one of the benefits of when people underperform is the cost of these guys in daily fantasy football goes down a little bit because the how whatever analytical things that they use are like, oh, he's trash, let's make him super cheap. Problem is, he's not super trash, and he's going up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just saying it's something to think about. Something else maybe to think about is um, the fact that the Arizona Cardinals' trash defense was able to make the, uh, well, able to make the Minnesota Vikings' offensive line look like the Minnesota Vikings' offensive line. I was going to say a worse offensive line, but I don't. I, at this point, I'm not sure there is one. I would have said the Texans, but I mean, I feel like they could have blocked the, the Cardinals better than that. Point is, they're going up against the Packers, who got five sacks against the Bears, who have who last year gave up some of the least amount of sacks of anybody in the NFL. So when you're going to pick a defense in Daily Fantasy, it's just something to think about. I don't know. It's also going to be another good value because nobody thinks the Packers' defense is any good. Just something to think about, man. Either way, sign up for FanDuel now. Get $20 in total bonuses. Just make your first deposit of 20 bucks to get started, and you'll get an extra $5 inside credit every week for four weeks. Go to FanDuel.com slash DFS Fantasy or download the FanDuel app. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, so I am going to start with Football Outsiders. And, and here's the situation, and I've talked about this before. Um, I know there's some people who look down on, on PFF and think Football Outsiders is the superior product. I tend to disagree. I don't dislike Football Outsiders, but what I will say is I, I like them significantly more toward the end of the season because at this particular point in time, so the, the the problem is, number one, they're using primarily statistics, whereas PFF is film study. Secondly, the, the only other proprietary thing that they do is they're taking the statistics and they're comparing it against the competition. So it's sort of like adjusted stats. There's how good are you, and then there's how good are you really based on the competition you went up against. The problem is that kind of becomes circular. All right, well, you went up against the Bears, so that was a really good win because the Bears are good. Well, how do you know the Bears are good? Well, the Bears are good because they beat these teams. Well, are those teams any good? You know, yeah, I mean, just, it, it becomes circular. 
I know because I've done it before. I'm sure they got a way to, to figure that all out. But the, the bigger problem is the beginning of the year, essentially what they're doing is they're taking projections and then comparing that against what you've done so far and then also adding in how good that was based on the person you played, which the only thing we know about that is how well they played plus their projections. Well, the projections don't mean anything. We don't know how good the competition is because we don't know how good anybody is. So it, 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 it's fine, and it's probably better than just looking at it flat out. For example, you know, Baltimore is the best or whatever, even though I think they have Baltimore number one. But anyways, we'll, we'll look at it anyways because a lot of people like it. And really, a, a lot of the flaws that, that Football Outsiders has, PFF has, um, because, again, PFF doesn't adjust for competition. They just look at output. So he was really good. Okay, well, how good was he compared to the fact that he went up against garbage? I don't know. We're not looking at that. We're just looking at how good he was. So anyways, um, currently Football Outsiders has the Green Bay Packers as the 10th best overall team. That's according to their DVOA ranking, which is just based on week one. The The primary thing they're using right now is what's called DAVE, which is DVOA plus their um, you know early on projections, which has the Packers 13th. Why? Because they are now exceeding their projections. In other words, Football Outsiders currently thinks the Packers are probably 13th. In other words, they did pretty well in week one, but maybe it's not exactly the reality because we didn't think that they would be that good, so probably aren't going to be that good, I guess. Pro Football Focus similarly has the Packers 12th overall, strictly based on how they played against the Bears offensively, defensively, and on special teams. Uh, Football Outsiders has Green Bay's defense 27th, Excuse me, the offense 27th. PFF has them 28th, so again, a lot of congruency there. And then Football Outsiders has Green Bay's defense as third. PFF agrees and has Green Bay's defense third. And unless you think that maybe they're just copying off each other's homework, um, Football Outsiders actually has the 49ers defense number one. PFF has 49ers defense 15th. They have Baltimore number one, Detroit number two, and then Green Bay number three. One of the interesting things I want to look at with PFF is is basically the NFC North and how dominant the defenses have been across the NFC North. I think the, well, let's just look at it. The the Bears, Vikings, Packers, and Lions all are currently ranked top 10 in defense. The Bears are 10th, the Vikings are 5th, the Packers are 3rd, and the Lions are 2nd. Again, this is going to change, but it definitely seems to be uh, an emphasis, right? The, the Packers and the Lions made it a point to improve their defenses. The Vikings and the Bears already had pretty good defenses. So this is rapidly becoming a very... The NFC North is sort of like the Lions' den. For teams to come into the NFC North, it means you're just going to get beaten, battered, and bloodied. And I kind of like that, to be honest. It's got kind of an old-school AFC North feel to it. Um, circling back around, just getting a little bit more specific, uh, Football Outsiders has our offense at 20... 27th, PFF has us at 25th. Again, very close, but uh, not very flattering at all, which makes sense, right? Aaron Rodgers did not play well. Um, listening to the national media has me a little bit concerned. You know, if you listen to um, PFF's podcast or anything else, it's like, I don't understand. I mean, Aaron Rodgers was just bad. The accuracy was one of the worst in the NFL. We'll get into that, but um, it was bad. And, and, and short area accurateness, my brain is literally dissolving. As, as time goes on. Something to the effect of, of um, short passes, the accuracy percentage. I'm going to completely butcher this, but it was something to the effect of Aaron Rodgers was like 30% and the general average is like 65%. 
just just brutal. And again, we, we can make all these dumb excuses, but well, you know, his footwork wasn't. that. That's on Rodgers. Stop throwing from dumb angles, which is a lame excuse anyways. Plant your feet correctly. Grow up. Come on now, big boy. You can do it. You know how to do this. You've been a quarterback for a long time. I know you're too cool to actually stand properly and throw the ball with correct mechanics. But maybe let's stop trying to be a, a, an older version of Pat Mahomes. Like, look at me, I'm so cool. I don't need to throw from from a platform or whatever kind of nonsense. No, 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 check this out. Feet spread, toes pointed to each sideline. My left hand just pointing up at the sky. Just calling my shot, man. And then I close my eyes and just wing it. No, how about you just throw it correctly? How about you go ask a high school quarterback how to throw a football and just do what he says? Because it's getting embarrassing to be talking about how we have the greatest quarterback. Oh, he's the GOAT, man. And we do this over and over and over again. And then people watch and they're like, that guy's the GOAT? That guy missed a guy five yards down the field. How is he the GOAT? And I don't have an answer, Rodgers. So knock it off, please. I don't have an answer for why you threw a rocket ball at a guy's feet five yards away from you. I have zero answer for that. I do know I'm getting a little tired of it, though. I can tell you that. Because basically... I'm going to get real with you. Since 2015, there's pretty much been one year where things have looked real good and real clean. 2015 was bad. 2017, you were hurt, granted. 2018, real ugly. Now, PFF said you were fine, but there was a lot of bad. Now we're starting 2019. You're refusing to throw to your check down. You're missing guys five yards away. And some of your deep balls, not great. We have issues. Those issues can be fixed. You need to not be one of those issues. Right? We, we need better wide receivers. All right, well, we can we can get you one. Let's just get through this year. The offensive line has to improve. All right, well, we'll give them a little time. It's, you know, we got a new scheme and all that stuff. We'll, we'll give it time. We'll, we'll get there. We got a good running back. We, we, I mean, we've got capable enough tight ends. I mean, we, we can do this, especially with this defense. All we need in the world is to have Aaron Rodgers be Aaron Rodgers. That's literally all we need to make this work. We just need you to stop being 2018 Aaron Rodgers. And as soon as you can go ahead and knock that off, we can we can kind of get this thing rolling a little bit. So if we could start week two, that would be fantastic. Thank you. Rant over. I'm getting a little bit more specific with the uh, overall offense. PFF has our pass blocking 13th. Our receiving grade is down at 23rd. Our run grade is 28th. And our run blocking is 17th. Getting more specific with the defensive side of the ball, uh, Football Outsiders has the Packers pass defense at 4th. They have the Packers run defense at 6th. PFF has the Packers run defense at 5th. Has the Packers tackling 15th. The Packers pass rush 12th, which I know is going to surprise a lot of people, but it is what it is. And has our coverage 8th. As a bonus, special teams was 20th. So kind of circling back to the NFC North has a good defense thing. Looking at just run defense, the Detroit Lions were 10th in run defense. The Bears were 8th in run defense. The Vikings 6th in run defense. The Packers 5th in run defense. Again, this will change over time, but that's pretty crazy. Looking at uh, coverage, the Bears were actually outside of the uh, top 10, which is pretty discouraging considering how poorly the Packers were able to move the ball through the air. They were ranked 15th. In other words, they didn't do a very good job of, of covering our receivers, but we still couldn't throw to anybody. Anyways, the Packers are 8th, Vikings are 5th, and the Lions are 2nd. Two observations. Once again, Packers or the NFC North defense is pretty good. 
Second, how horrible is it that we couldn't throw the ball against the 15th-ranked pass defense, and we now have to throw the ball against the 5th-ranked pass defense? Now, I don't know that I necessarily buy it. I think probably their pass rush was a big part of the reason that everything kind of got messed up, on top of the Packers just not doing a good job of executing. Beyond that, the Vikings are are very likely, I'm assuming, not going to have uh, Alexander, who's one of their top corners, and I don't know that they have necessarily the best corners in the world. I've said that several times. But nonetheless, they did a good job against the Atlanta Falcons, who have some pretty good wide receivers. But anyways, everybody say goodbye to Football Outsiders. Bye! This is where they're going to get off as we dive a little bit deeper into specific position groups. Aaron Rodgers to elaborate on how bad week one is. And I know we got all the excuses. It's just week one. He didn't play in the preseason. Wide receivers are no good. Learning a new scheme. New head coach. Whatever. Out of 37 quarterbacks, and we can minimize this a little bit by uh, looking at minimum dropbacks. For example, Daniel Jones only had five throws. Josh Rosen only had four. But out of 37 quarterbacks, Aaron Rodgers was 29th. He was tied with Josh Allen, which is horrifying. The only quarterbacks he was better than were Daniel Jones, Mitch Trubisky, Kyler Murray, Ben Roethlisberger, Jimmy Garoppolo, Jameis Winston, and Josh Rosen. Quarterbacks that were better than him, Case Keenum, Matt Moore, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Joe Flacco, RG3, Eli Manning, Sam Darnold. I mean, are we getting the point here? Andy Dalton? Unacceptable. I don't care that it's the Bears. Sometimes you face tough defenses. I remember an Aaron Rodgers. That was the entire reason we beat teams like the Bears. Not because our defense beat them, but because Aaron Rodgers beat them. And this has nothing to do with the wide receivers. The wide receivers have their own grades. This is Aaron Rodgers' grade. Aaron Rodgers had an elite grade last year by PFF, meaning when it was the wide receivers' fault, they blamed the wide receivers. This blame went to Aaron Rodgers based on his throws and decision-making, and it was a a below-average grade is what he got. This is as a passer. So we got to step it up a little bit. Looking at adjusted completion percentages, Aaron Rodgers was um, 29th. Now, adjusted completion percentage is looking at, well, what if we take the the nonsense out of it, right? We're we're not going to count the drops by the wide receivers. We're not going to count throwaways. We're not going to count batted passes, spikes or any of that stuff. We're not even going to throw we're not even going to include plays in which we're hit as we're throwing because those don't count. We're simply looking at when you threw the ball to a wide receiver with essentially a clean pocket or or an uninterrupted throw, how accurate were you? How many times did the person catch the pass? Obviously these completion percentages are going to be a lot higher. Um, Gardner Minshew, the guy that everybody's raving about, 28 dropbacks, 25 attempts, 100% completion percentage. He was 22 of 25, but he had two drops and a batted pass. 100% completion. Middle of the pack, Joe Joe Flacco, 78%. Aaron Rodgers, 67.9. 18 of 30, and only three of those passes were deducted from that. So basically, he was around 21 of 30. Got to be better than that, man. And again, a lot of these passes, I know you saw it. I know you remember it. The people that are getting all hot and bothered that I'm talking bad about Mr. Rogers. You're going to tell me you don't remember those throws in the flat that went on in the dirt? Come on now. Uh, looking at deep passing, more of an interesting t- statistic than anything. Um, Aaron Rodgers tied for 10th in deep pass percentage, which is the percentage of throws that were, were uh, 20 yards down the field or more. It's a pretty high number. That was, you know, he, he took his shots. 
Unfortunately, his adjusted completion percentage was 26th at 20%, so didn't complete a lot of them. His NFL passer rating when throwing deep was ranked 24th at 66.3. For those that don't know, generally it's an inflated number because there's going to be more touchdowns and more yards in those deep passes, even though the completion percentage is going to be lower. Still, the you had Tom Brady 158.3, Dak Prescott 158.3, Lamar 156, Pat Mahomes 156, 149, 149, 143, 135, 130. You get the point, right? We're all the way down to 13th and we're at 127. You go down to 17th, Derek Carr, 116. We're still way over the 100s. You don't get down below 100 in passer rating until you get to 20th overall with Joe Flacco. Aaron Rodgers was 66.3. I mean, that's just a, a, a normal passer rating. So again, not great. Completed one of five for 47 yards. Uh, something a little bit more troubling for those that want to just blame the pressure, they actually have a statistic for when he's not under pressure. Aaron Rodgers was 17 of 26 when not under pressure, which is a 65.4 completion percentage. 30th in adjusted completion percentage with a 69.2. His NFL passer rating when not under pressure was 20th, which is not good, but is his highest rank in any category so far. So pressure obviously made things a lot worse, but it wasn't much better when he was clean. Um, looking at play action, something that everyone assumed was going to skyrocket the number of attempts in play action, um, he was 23rd in play action attempts. He only had five attempts. There were four completions, however. So there you go. He's eighth in completion percentage on play action. So we got something that's working. Imagine that, something that everybody already knows Aaron Rodgers is good at, but uh, we're just not attempting very much. Yards per attempt on play action, Aaron Rodgers is fifth. Oh, wait a minute. Guy seems like he's maybe pretty good at this stuff. Marcus Mariota, Matt Stafford, Gardner Minshew, and Phillip Rivers are the only quarterbacks that had higher yards per attempt than Aaron Rodgers. The only other interesting statistic I have on Aaron Rodgers is the time in pocket. Um, the, the strange thing is, and I think this a lot, has a lot to do with the, the timing of the offense and the efficiency of the offense and whatnot, if you look at it, um, as a quarterback... They break it down in less than 2.5 seconds and then 2.5 seconds or more in the pocket. Aaron Rodgers was not a better quarterback when he got the ball out quickly. A lot of these real quick strike kind of plays, just the timing was, was way off. The throws were off, the timing was off, everything was off. These were also the plays that typically worked when the offense was moving. So hopefully this is something that, that gets better. Again, actually hit the guy that's wide open in the flat. You know, Work on the timing of these screams a little bit. That screens, not screams. Hopefully that improves. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Uh, switching over to wide receivers, um, without adjusting for targets, we don't have a single wide receiver in the top 50. Our wide receivers tend to cluster a little bit after that. Marquez was ranked 56th, Trevor Davis 58th, Devontae was ranked 65th. My guy Geronimo was 118th out of 124 possible wide receivers, which is a little bit frustrating because that was going to be our matchup. Buster Scrine is a terrible corner. He is their slot corner. Geronimo is our slot wide receiver. Geronimo was literally one of the worst wide receivers in the NFL last week. Seventh worst graded wide receiver 
of anybody. That's not good, man. Again, hopefully this all improves as as the offense kind of gets their stuff figured out. But the whole, you know, Bears defense is good thing only goes so far. This this just needs to get better. I'm um, looking at yards per reception. Trevor Davis was actually seventh. He had uh, 28 yards per reception because he caught a 28-yard pass. <laughs> Outside of that, Marquez was 50th. On a positive note, not a single wide receiver was credited with a drop, so that's nice. Um, highest passer rating when targeted was actually Trevor Davis, uh, 118.8 when targeted. Uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, 110 when targeted. Where's Devontae? Well, passer rating when targeted, 62.5. And th- this, Look, this is going to be the problem all year. The Bears obviously decided we're going to shut down Devontae. Everybody knows that's the plan. Minnesota Vikings, what's their plan going to be? Shut down Devontae. They've got really good safeties over there. They're going to put a corner and a really good safety on Devontae. The question is, what are we going to be able to do? Because of their injury at the slot corner position, we're going to need a slot wide receiver to be a good football player to be able to make this work. If Geronimo is going to be as bad as he was last week, we're not going to have very much success. We need Marquez. We need Geronimo, we need Davis, we need somebody to step up in the absence of of a double-covered Devontae Adams. We don't have a run game, we may not have a run game this week either, unless and until the offensive line can figure out how to do that. We've got to have somebody that can step up and catch a pass. Because Devontae getting double-triple-covered to the point where he is you know, outside of the top 50 wide receivers in the NFL and has a passer rating when targeted of 62.5, catching 50% of his passes, 4 of 8 for 36 yards and no touchdowns. If that's how Devontae Adams' season is going to be because teams are basically able to double and triple cover him because nobody else can get open, the season's over before it began, folks. Not good enough, man. Not good enough. Uh, Looking at running backs, uh, just as far as run grades go, um, out of 74 running backs, Jamal was 59th and Aaron Jones was 62nd. Again, not good. If we adjust for attempts and get rid of some people that didn't have a lot of attempts, it doesn't really change the equation. Now we've only got 54 running backs. Aaron Jones is 45th. Jamal Williams is 43rd. So two of the worst graded running backs this year. Again, I know it's the Bears defense. I get all that point is though there are offenses in the NFL that can overcome that there are offenses that will find yards there are offensive lines that can block the Bears well enough to get a running back through and running backs that are good enough to be able to create it's week one I'm not freaking out I'm just saying I'm getting tired of the excuses from from fans primarily I don't think the Packers are making excuses they're they're looking at that saying we need to be better and they're right I just get tired of fans who want to make excuses every week well you know nobody could have done that it's week one and it's no Teams do it. Teams can beat the Bears. Teams put up points on the Bears. I mean, last year, the Packers put up 24 points, pretty much all of those points in the second half. It can be done. The Dolphins, 31 points. The Patriots, 38 points. The Giants put up 30 points on them. Few and far between, but teams can put up points on them. We need to be one of those teams that's able to run the ball, to get wide receivers open, etc., etc. Receiving grades, actually, Jamal Williams was 12th out of 45. Aaron Jones didn't make the list because he was not thrown to. But uh, Aaron Jones, 2 for 2 for 15 yards. Good enough, I guess, for something. Um, In the pass-blocking game, Aaron Jones is graded 5th overall. So, again, this this is something Aaron Jones is underrated for. Everybody knows Jamal is a good blocker, and he is. But I'm pretty sure last year Aaron Jones was a better pass blocker than Jamal Williams. Nobody recognized that. Nobody said that except, as far as I know, me. 5th highest graded. The only... um, 
The only backs with higher pass blocking grades, Leonard Fournette, Nick Chubb, Kalen Balaj, and Deion Lewis. Jamal Williams was ninth, so fifth and ninth, two top ten blocking running backs. Danny Vitale, the guy who we need to be a good blocker, was 32nd. He also had a below average um, run blocking grade, so not great with that either. Which is sort of the problem with Danny Vitale because he's super athletic, and so he's probably going to be a help in as a receiver. And hopefully we get to see a little bit more of that because I think that can be a really great component to this offense. But in order for him to be in there, he's got to be able to improve as a pass blocker and a, as a run blocker because that's a big part of the reason you're on the field. Uh, sticking with blocking, but moving over to tight ends, um, Mercedes Lewis kind of back in the groove. He is the seventh highest overall grade uh, pass blocking, and that's out of 60. Robert Tanyan, 18th out of 60. Jimmy Graham, 31st out of 60. And Jimmy Graham had a grade that was actually good, so technically it was below average, but it was or average, but it was right there. Run blocking is a different story, obviously, because the Packers, it's just, you're cursed as soon as you walk out there on the, on the field. Robert Tanyan was our best run blocker, 41st out of 64. Jimmy Graham, 48th. Mercedes Lewis, 50th out of 64 tight ends. As far as receiving, Jimmy Graham was the 16th highest graded receiving tight end. That's great news. So so Mercedes Lewis was one of the highest graded pass-blocking tight ends, and Jimmy Graham is the 16th highest graded receiving tight end. So it's pretty encouraging news. This is kind of the direction we need to see these things go. We expect Mercedes Lewis to be a good blocker. We expect Jimmy Graham to be a good receiving tight end. And considering last year's production, I'll take 16th. I'd like that to go up a little bit, but I'll take it. Uh, Mercedes, on the other hand, was graded 38th out of 42 tight ends. So that's not super great. A big part of that is the fact that he had a a drop, which really hurt his grade. Looking at uh, offensive tackles now, as far as pass blocking, David Bakhtiari was 8th. Not a terrible grade when you factor in that, uh, you know, he was going up against Khalil Mack and and the Bears' defense. At least some of the time he was. Uh, Brian Villaga is ranked 23rd. Again, not bad when you consider basically there's going to be around 64 tackles. So you're kind of looking for one to be in the top 32, one to be the other guy. And again, this is this is maybe the best test of your tackles of anywhere in the NFL. It's it's really, really tough, primarily because of Khalil Mack. But uh, Bakhtiari and Balaga held up. Run blocking, actually, surprisingly, um, Brian Balaga wasn't actually that bad. He was graded 12th overall. So there is some light at the end of this tunnel um, that at least somebody knows what they're doing out there. David Bakhtiari, on the other hand, was one of the lowest-graded run-blocking um, offensive tackles. 55th out of 67 tackles. So pretty brutal, and he absolutely needs to be better. I mean, I know he's more of a pass blocker than a run blocker, but I expect him to not at, le- at least don't be one of the worst. So I'm hoping that gets better. Looking at uh, guards now at pass blocking, um, unfortunately the guards were not doing a very good job. Lane Taylor was 29th, Billy Turner 64th out of 68. Billy Turner was one of the worst pass-blocking offensive guards in the NFL. Um, a lot of that had to do with Khalil Mack coming inside, also having to do with, uh, you know, the other guy. Who cares what his name is? Either way, that that obviously has to get quite a bit better. Silver lining, at least for one of these guys, Billy Turner was the 8th highest-graded run-blocking guard. So we got this weird sort of opposing dynamic where so far we've got on the right side Billy Turner and uh, Brian Balaga, pretty good at the whole run blocking thing. Um, and then you got Balaga and uh, Bakhtiari good at pass blocking. But you got Billy Turner and Lane Taylor who are terrible pass blockers. You got Bakhtiari and and um, Lane Taylor who are terrible 
run blockers, and overall it just ends up being not a great offensive line performance. Finally, our center, who had just a horrific day, um, was 27th out of 31, well, technically 32. The guys at 31 just tied, though. So he was 27 out of 32 centers in pass blocking. It was a horrible pass blocking effort, especially for centers, because centers don't usually give up a bunch, right? They, they usually have the best stats, like they gave up no sacks and all this stuff. Uh, he gave up a sack in two hurries. He gave up three total pressures. He just got absolutely dominated. And that's pretty horrible. Run blocking, he was 13th, which isn't bad. I'll take it. It's good enough to be able to get something going at least. But the guys on the left side have to get better at run blocking. And the guys on the interior have to get better at pass blocking. Because we've got two guards in the center that can't pass block right now. So hopefully that's going to get quite a bit better. We know we've seen better. But the Minnesota Vikings are not going to be a much easier test, especially up front. Daniil Hunter, Everson Griffin, Linval Joseph, that's not an easy test. The Bears have Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks. That's that's two. They don't have a whole lot else. And it, it, to be honest, it was it was guys like Roy Robertson Harris. I think he had like two sacks that day. Who is Roy Robertson Harris? I mean, I know his name only from looking at PFF and saying, well, that guy's trash. That's the only reason I know his name. Got to be better. Anyways, I was expecting to take a break now and then do defense. Unfortunately, it is 5 o'clock and I have to go. So I apologize for what will probably have been a, um ill-timed ad in the middle of all this. But I am out of time, so I guess uh, I guess tomorrow we do defense. I was not expecting this. Anyways, just in, a peek into I guess I guess sort of the downside. This was a downer day. I'm sorry it was a downer day. The whole point of this was going to be I'm going to do the downer stuff, and then oh man, we're going to get us super jacked about the defense. Well, I'm just going to leave you as a downer. I guess apologize for that. I am sorry to have wasted your Wednesday. However, Packers got a good defense, so put a smile on that face there, champ. Whatever. Enjoy your Wednesday. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.